Lord, I want to thank you for um, your word and the way that it speaks to us, the way that uh, as we read through it, you draw us into different truths and um, different topics that shape us and mold us into who you call us to be. And, and I thank you for that journey that we're on together as a church, that we can do this, um, that, we can, that we can read through um, just a, a part of your, your word to us and we can... We can see the messages that are there for us, and Lord, I pray that um, we would be changed by these truths that you have in your word. I pray that your truth would just wash over us, that we'd be, we'd be made like your son Jesus, Lord. Um, I pray that that would be true today, and uh, Lord, I just ask that you would, you would speak, um, Lord, to us not just um, a message of truth, but a message about the situation that we're in, about the things that are happening in our lives, about the, the culture that we're living in today. Um, I ask that you would uh, help us to, to know how to live well, to know how to live the way you call us to live, to know how to love others in that journey as well, God. And pray this um, for each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, it is great to have you all here with us. Where um, I just, I'm, I'm going to be referencing a, a bumper sticker that I saw um, <laughs> the other day. And uh, bumper stickers are kind of not, maybe not as popular as they used to be. Um, but uh, like, I feel like I see less of them these days, maybe because after a while they get ugly and so on. But um, has anyone ever put a bumper sticker on their own car? Gordon has, yep, a couple of others up the back there, that's good. I, I actually have one as well um, that I put on my car uh, the other day. But anyway, we don't need it, not the other day, sorry, when I was younger, um, my first car. And uh, it was a thing to do with motorcycling and some campaign about, sorry, mate, I didn't see you, you know, which is what people say when they run into motorcyclists on the road, right? Sorry, mate, I didn't see you, you know? And so I was, you know, this young motorcycle rider and I thought, yeah, that's right, we'll stick that on there and people should know about that, you know? <laughs> and so it's interesting when people put something on their car, it's obviously advertising a cause or something they stand for, maybe, maybe something that they believe is true. And, um, and this, I saw one the other day, uh, just as I was turning into the road here, this, this lady was on a, on a motorcycle and she had um, the, the coexist bumper sticker. Have you guys seen that one? It's just, and it's usually written with all different um, religious symbols. Um, you know, the word coexist is spelt out. And um, this one particularly was in a, of course, the, the love heart um, rainbow love heart you know, sticker as well was the background and it was just uh, one of those things that when, when I see that, <laughs> given that I'm coming from my Christian worldview, I see it and I'm just like, ah, oh, it's one of those things that's like, seriously, <laughs> do I have to even look at that? Like, you know, she was obviously getting what she wanted me to feel out of that sticker and, uh, and that's fine. But the whole, the whole idea of coexist is just that, that real picture of today's culture and today's, uh, the mood of today that we live in, you know, and the way that, um, you know, there's a real sense in which no one's really allowed to say, well, this is what I stand for. It's kind of like we, we all say it, but, but we, we all have to accommodate for one another's, this is what I stand for, you know, and um, that's a really interesting place to be in because it probably used to be that the majority believed a certain way 
and, and, and then there were minority groups that had their bumper stickers and we sort of thought, oh, they're just sort of over there doing their thing, that's fine. But now it kind of feels like uh, what used to be the majority in, in maybe, a, maybe a Christian morals and, and all of that in our country, we're now becoming what feels like the minority, which is, um, which is very interesting and it sort of shapes the way that we feel about ourselves as a church and our, our mission as a church and... Um, you know, there's a great podcast I want to recommend to you. I've been listening to it. I've encouraged others to listen to it. It's called This Cultural Moment. And there's these two pastors. One of them's an Aussie guy. The other one's uh, from uh, Seattle, a church in Seattle. Uh, sorry, no, not Seattle, Portland, just up a state in, in America. And, and great, to, great to listen to the conversation they have. Um, there's a number of seasons of this podcast now. I encourage you to start at the start and if you like to listen to these sorts of conversations about post-Christianity, um, you know, in, in, in that culture, secularism, what's the church to do about it, this is a great thing. So this is my way of just, as a pastor, just saying, go and get resourced and listen to that podcast because it just speaks so well to the context that we're living in, this coexist context, right? So that story is going to speak to sort of where we're heading um, a bit later today uh, in, in the message. Um, that makes it sound like I'll be preaching till after lunch, but in a few minutes, I should say. But we're going to jump into Ecclesiastes. This is all coming out of Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and something that we've, we've read there in the first few verses. Um, in this little passage, we're just going to read verses 2 to 6 and, and then springboard out of them um, as we have done at other times. And this, the topic here is obedience to the king. Obedience to the king, right? We might say obeying governing authorities, right? That's more of a New Testament term. It comes up, um, and, and as, as a preacher, whenever I come across a topic like this, I'm like, oh, maybe I should just preach from the next passage, you know? <laughs> like, do we really have to talk about this? Because it is a difficult topic, but it's very relevant and that coexist bumper sticker that I was talking about, that's just like, man, we need to speak to that. We need to, we need to consider what's, what's going on um, in our culture, what's going on with the decisions that are made in, in, uh, you know, by, by our governing authorities, how is that shaping the country that we live in, the context that we're in. And so it all has to do with ethics and politics and challenges that come with talking about these relationships with governing authorities that we have in our lives. But today we're not going to skim over it. We're going to dive into it. And I just want to read the passage. We're going to read it out of New Living Translation, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 2 to 6. It says, Obey the king, since you vowed to God that you would. Don't try to avoid doing your duty, and don't stand with those who plot evil. For the king can do whatever he wants. His command is backed by great power. No one can resist or question it. Those who obey him will not be punished. Those who are wise will find a time and a way to do what is right. For there is a time and a way for everything. So that's verses 2 to 6 there. We've we got to remember when we read this that we're not really in a narrative. The wise teacher is sharing almost like Proverbs now at this point in Ecclesiastes. And um, although it's not a narrative story, the relevance of a king who is in power, 
um, would have sunk in well to the wise teacher's audience, right? These, he probably had some students there and they would have known what he's talking about. Assuming they're Israelites, they've long been used to a king that's in power and the king's word is the final word. The governing authority, you don't go against it. That's just how it is, right, in their culture. And sometimes they were good kings. Sometimes they were bad kings. We know that from Israel's history. Sometimes it was a foreign king, whether it be Nebuchadnezzar or um, you know, Pharaoh and, and so on. Uh, the wise teacher is inviting his students to consider what absolute commitment to authority looks like. Imagine maybe there's a different set of values, maybe a coexist set of values, pluralistic worldview, all of that stuff going on. Where do we draw the line between submission to authority and submission to our convictions over right and wrong? Right? Where do we draw that line? At what point do we take action against evil? And at what point should we go with the flow and find maybe passive means to live the way God desires for us to live? When do we protect ourselves from harm and punishment? And when do we take a stand despite the cost? These are some pretty relevant uh, questions, right, today. I don't think there's a more relevant time than now for us to be asking these questions. In fact, there may have been a time when the church forgot that these questions were important, (laughs) you know. And uh, the beauty of preaching through the Bible is that we're drawn back to topics like this, whether we like it or not. It's more like, hey, guys, this is a little, like, I feel like God's speaking to us about our context, you know. It's a, it's a cool thing. For us, the idea of a king or a queen ruling over us is, is really uh, not something we're very used to, maybe, in our Western world. Even if we look at the Queen of England, it appears that she's a powerful lady, but she's probably not going to be able to turn into a dictator and start turning England on its head and, and ruling and, and her, her word is it. You know, the underpinnings of, of democracy, you know, in the Western world would sort of prevent that from happening, right? And so we don't really connect with the idea um, of a king in authority. Although, although we understand it, it's hard for us to know what that's like to actually live under that. And so what can we connect with? We can all connect with the idea, um, relate to, to the relationships that we each have with someone who's above us in authority, in, in like a leadership capacity, maybe some level of authority in our lives. The children here um, are subject to the authority of their parents, right? <laughs> um, there, there's a sense in which that happens. Maybe not to the degree we'd like as parents, maybe. But um, there's also, when, when students go to school, you're subject to the authority of teachers. Uh, like it or not, all of us fall under the governing authority of, of um, our political system. The decisions that are made by, uh, by our government for our country, the laws of our country, we're, we're sort of, there's a, there's a final word in many ways. Right? If we participate in a community group, maybe a, a local church, a sporting club, um, you know, there's no doubt a governing authority that sort of just says, hey, here, here's, here's where the buck stops, here's, here's how it is. It might be a leader, um, you know, uh, a coach, a mentor, an administrator, all of these authorities we come across in our lives. So we know this to some degree. There's things we can and can't do. Our boss is how it is. 
For the most part, the majority of people seem to do all that they can to live in agreement, right, and and obedience to the authorities God has put in place in our lives. That's what that passage says. God's God's uh, put this these people in our lives. Some of us, after hearing the introduction, notice the language out of the New Testament, governing authorities, out of Romans 13, and I want to read that for you as well. The Apostle Paul uses this term, and it's more of an all-encompassing term. Right? It's more like government and, and those in leadership, the people who, who make the decision. And it's almost like a, 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 a retelling of Ecclesiastes 8, these first few verses that we read. This is what it says. Romans 13, starting at verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honour you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. So you kind of read through those verses and, and you're sort of like, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I know, I hear what he's saying, but there's, there's some question marks there, right? And we, we kind of feel that as soon as you read through it. For the most part, we're pretty good at discerning what's right and wrong. As I said earlier, we, we do as we're told generally, um, and you don't need help understanding understanding that. But Paul makes it clear that God has put these people in our lives and they ought to be submitted to because God is backing them. But the question that flows from this is what do we do when the governing authorities are not leading us in a way that aligns with our faith and the teaching of God's word? That's, that's another question, right, that we have no doubt asked before. What do we do when the authorities we see working in our world are creating a culture that is distant from the one the Bible encourages us to live out? What do we do when it seems as though the governing authorities in our lives are overstepping boundaries? How are we to react? Right, And to really sink our teeth into issues that are relevant to us, I know you're probably thinking of some of them now. I'm going to bring some up, and uh, this is going to be like all the things that are like touchy topics, right? So the value of human life. Right? We could bring up that, that topic, how it's being threatened both at the beginning and its end with abortion and euthanasia laws that are being passed or trying to be passed. We could talk about education and how young people are being taught things about themselves and sex and relationships that do not line up with what the Bible says is right to, right, um, the right way to live. We could talk about marriage and how our government and culture has accepted variants of God's original design for marriage and the way it's taught in the Bible. We could talk about the ethics of what's allowed on mainstream TV, um, you know, the ads that are shown on TV, uh, social media, you know, the ethics of, of that whole, like, beast of social media and what's that, what that's doing, the way things are being consumed through TV and social media. The majority of it may be at odds with the Bible. We could talk about other religions, 
We could talk about war. We could talk about refugees. We could talk about national budgets. Maybe some of us are like, yeah, we love talking about this stuff. I don't know. We could talk about secularism, post-Christian education in universities. We could talk even about issues with the church itself, right? All of this stuff seems to be part of that coexist uh, bumper sticker, right, conversation. Every, every little uh, letter in that coexist bumper sticker represents a different religion or group and, and each one might have their own say on a lot of these topics. No doubt you've got your own bugbears, things that bother you about the way our culture and its governing authorities are making decisions to affect our everyday lives. But before we dig ourselves into a hole that's too deep to get out of, before we make some application, I think there's a few things that I feel God wants us to, to be reminded of today. The first is that we can be encouraged. Uh, uh, Psalm 24.1, I don't know if uh, it came up this week, but it says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Even the lady on the bike with the coexist bumper sticker, (laughs) you know. While it might seem like God is loosening his grip on the world we live in, and while it might look like governing authorities and godly leaders are are few and far between, we need to remember that God is still in control, right? That's just like a, a good thing for us to be reminded of and be encouraged by. The other thing to say is that at least in the Western world, we're not yet being faced with persecution like others, um, you know, who, who, are, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, other parts of the world. And um, I often think, oh, it's not possible really that that stuff would happen in the Western world. And I'm not a fear monger or a doomsdayer or anything like that. But, um, you know, in my couple of trips to Cambodia, I know that's not Western society, but it was not that long ago when some of the worst... Um, evil I've ever seen in my life, you know, you, you go and see the, the schools that were turned into prisons, right? And all of these, uh, you know, terrible pictures that you saw of the way that um, the whole, uh, uh, you know, um, what, what's the name? Rouge? Khmer Rouge, thank you. The whole regime of the Khmer Rouge and, and, and how that all happened, you know, it was, it's frightening to think uh, that was happening, um, and, and un- unfortunately, most of the world didn't know about it at the time because of social media didn't exist. Maybe um, there, was, there was a bit of a separation compared to what there is today. But, but to think that evil could happen just, f- just like, uh, what are we talking, 40 years ago? Um, it, was, it was like a frightening thing for me to think, man, that is, that is awful, you know? And so um, we're, we're not yet persecuted. We're not yet controlled physically um, and with the freedom, that means we have freedom now and we should be standing courageously, wholeheartedly, patiently, faithfully for what we, stand, what we believe in, our core values as Christians, what the Bible teaches, the ethics and beliefs that we stand for. We should be ready and willing to make a stand because um, it doesn't seem like too long ago that people weren't able to do that. You know? And there's other parts of, of the world now where people are... If they, if they do it, they'll, you know, it could, could mean bad things to them. could mean bad things to their family. And so I, I always think of those things and think, gee, I could do so much better in just being courageous, just saying what I know is true, what I'm convinced is true in my heart. 
So I want to encourage you to do that too. <laughs> you know, um, the final thing to add here is that um, there's, a, there's another great book by a guy called Michael Frost. Um, it's called uh, Incarnate. And that's that idea that, um, you know, Jesus came and, and was incarnate here on earth. He, he came as a human, became like us. And the whole premise of the book is that we would involve ourselves in the lives of others around us. We, we'd, we'd become uh, proximate with people, get, get in close relationship with people. And, and one of the things that happens nowadays is when people believe a certain way, they want to put the bumper sticker on, but... Maybe that person wouldn't like to have a deep conversation with me about it. You know, the, the, to get incarnate and have approximate conversation is, is more difficult. And so I'll put my bumper sticker on and that way people know who I am, but gee, don't ask me about it, you know. And we do this as well with social media. You know, we love to... I'm, I'm not on social media, by the way, guys. So if you've done anything like this recently, I'm not having a dig, okay? It's fine. You, I'm just saying, I want to encourage us that whatever happens on social media, it's fine to comment and stand up for truth there. But even better than that is let's, let's live out in, in our relationships with the people we work with, with the people that in our family. Let's stand for what we know is true there. And let's, let's open up the conversations you know, to say, well, what is actually true? What do you think about what the government said here? You know, what, what, what do you think the Bible says about that topic? And actually have the conversation because at that point, um, it's not about winning an argument. Um, you'll never win one on social media, you know. Uh, let's show others the fruit of, of the way of life we're choosing to live. Let's let the walking do the talking, you know, in the topics that are difficult to talk about. I think there's a temptation, and it's very likely the teaching or the mood of the culture we live in today, as I've been talking about, to just go with the flow. Hey, let's just get a coexist sticker. It'll be so much easier. You know, we won't have to stand up for what's true. We won't have to vote a certain way. We can just, it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's that riding the wave of fitting everyone in, catering to everyone, accepting and adjusting and accommodating our views. You know, um, you have your truth, I'll have mine. There's that temptation to go that track. And, it, and it's being encouraged, right, um, in, in our society. But I think sooner or later, we might not be there yet in the Western world, but sooner or later as the church is doing in other parts of the world, as the church has done throughout history, we're going to be forced to make very clear decisions. Yeah, you get, we're going to need to know what, where, is, where is our line in the sand? What's true for me? What does the Bible say is true, actually? That's a better way of putting it. And we're going to, the decision we're really making is who do we worship? You know, who gets the final word in our life? Because that is the thing that, that decides what decision we make. You know, who's the person that we say, actually, sure, there's kings in place, but who's the one that actually gets the final word in my life? Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do everything that the king asks of me up to a point, but there's a point at which I know uh, what Jesus, King Jesus says is true in his word. And at that point, that's where I draw the line. I want to encourage us, we have to, we have to figure out where's our wholehearted allegiance. 
there may come a time. And, and really, we're being, I'm, I'm encouraging you to do this now. Decide who is the king that you serve. The choices will be the King Jesus, you know, the eternal king, or the rulers and authorities of this world, the cultural idols that are set up. They invite us to bow down to them. And the question for us is, who are we going to bow down to? Who's the one that we're willing to say, I'll serve you and you alone? You know, again, I want to reiterate, I'm no fear monger or a doomsdayer, nor am I trying to make us worried about the future. But there's a reason that the path of following Christ is narrow, right? There's a reason the Bible has stories throughout the narrative, both Old and New Testament, when God's people had to stand against the tide. You know, they had to say, this is, this is it. This is where I draw the line. I'm, I'm sorry, whatever happens, this is true. And I know it to be true. And, and I want to encourage us to, to grapple with that. Um, there's two stories that I mainly think of. The story out of Daniel chapter 3, um, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, instead of bowing down and worshipping the idol, right, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and, and he says, hey, when, it, when all the music starts, everyone bow down, every person from every nation bow down and, and it'll be good. And if you don't, I'll throw you into the fiery furnace, you know, and they just, you know, it, the, the music starts and everyone bows down, but there's a few Jews at the back. There's a few of God's people saying, hey, uh, actually, we don't bow down to any other God except one. And, uh, and so he's told about this and, and you know how the story goes. Hey, guys, last chance. You know, if you don't do this, I'll, I'll tie you up, I'll throw you in the fire. And uh, they just say, look, with all due respect, King Nebuchadnezzar, you can even throw us in the fire. We're not bowing down. You know, and even if God doesn't choose to deliver us, you know, that, that, that's, that's no, there's still no question about it. We know how the story goes. They're saved. There's another one in the fire, you know, which is that great image of Jesus with us, even, even when we take a stand, even when it looks like, oh, gee, this is going to be a tough journey. Jesus is there, that presence of God in the flames. The other one is um, Matthew 4. Jesus is tempted in the desert, right? Let out after, after 40 days um, you know, of, of fasting. Satan rocks up, promises him, him power over the whole world, promises him food. Hey, hey, why don't you turn those stones into bread? He's no doubt hungry. Invitation to bow down and worship him and I'll give you everything, right? It was like the shortcut to what he was going to get anyway. <laughs> you know, he just had to go by a more difficult and, and, uh, and uh, a really obedient path to God rather than to Satan, and Jesus replies to Scripture, and what does he say? I'll worship the Lord my God and serve him only. That's, that's really the, the conviction we're aiming for as Christians today. Who are we going to worship? Who are we going to bow down to? Where do we draw the line in the sand? And so for you, I don't know what you're facing uh, in your life. Um, you know, the, the questions that you've been asking about faith, the journey that you're on, um, you know, even questions about, you know, the government and decisions they're making for us and, and what are we to do? I think the encouragement is um, seek out what you know is true from, from the Word of God. 
right? Have, com- have real conversations about them with one another, with other people in your life. Um, and then there's that strength that comes from just that patient faithfulness. It's almost like a just, just wait in God's presence. Just, just, um, just sit it out, you know, just, just endure. That's that constant reminder throughout the word. And of course, my encouragement to you is uh, obey the king, <laughs> you know, obey the governing authorities, do all that we can to submit to them. We should do that. But there's a point at which we'll have to make a decision. And, um, and it'll, that, that will be the deciding factor, who has the final word in our life. So let me pray for us. And, um, and uh, I pray that God would uh, empower us to make... To, to, to firstly know what's true, to firstly be just uh, so ready to just take a stand. Even now when we have freedom to do that, I pray that you would help us with that, God. I pray that we wouldn't come across as, um, you know, these like uh, combative, um, you know, uh, power-hungry um, people who, who, who uh, you know, are, are angry <laughs> Um, at the way the world is, but we would come across with grace and mercy and that people would see um, the truth of the way we live our lives. Lord, I pray that our conversations with others would be seasoned with, with salt, seasoned with grace, seasoned with um, that, that they would be tasteful conversations, things that uh, help people to see uh, your truth and, and help people to see that um, there is another way. And uh, Lord, whatever the result is of that, we place ourselves in your hands and we trust you to deliver us. We trust you to um, yeah, uh, help us to know um, yeah, just your grace and that whole, whole standing for you, Lord. You're the one who gets the final word, Lord, in this, in this church, in our lives, in our relationships, Lord. I pray that that would be true and that others would see it. I pray also in a time when people might be, uh, you know, um, disturbed by the fact that it's too hard to even know what's true and what's not. I pray that as they see us living out what's true, they'd be drawn to it, God, and and they'd be drawn to you and your character and how you're unchanging. In a time when everything seems fluid and all over the place, God, I pray that they'd see you as that solid rock who they can walk with like your people did, Lord. Pray that that would be true in Jesus' name.